yes, friends, on a Monday, when you like to fire up that music to make sure that the juices are flowing for your co-host after a, a wonderful Sunday that he had. It's OGP, One Giant Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Adam Armbrecht. Follow me at Adam Armbrecht over on Twitter. And that's Andy Makowitz. You can follow him at um, Andy Mac one I don't know. It's some type of little weird thing. There's a lot of Andy Makowitzes out there in the world. He'll clarify for you. But he's there, and he's healthy. He's wealthy. He's feeling as good as he's felt in a decade. Mr. Andrew Makowitz, how are we? Uh, I am well. I got to give a shout-out. Today is my son's birthday. He turns two years old. So hey, happy baby birthday. Baby Rory doing it in the streets. Happy birthday, Rory. Um. You know, this is around the age, Adam, where all the kids get like some kind of like power wheel type thing that they can like drive around in the neighborhood. Oh, yeah. um, we got my son a recycling truck because he likes putting things in the back and, and moving it around. The one thing that they don't tell parents, though, it's like we, we took it out of the box and I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's probably going to take 20 minutes to put this thing together. It You need to charge them for oh, 18 yeah. hours before yes. using it. A- 18 hours. So like. You got to plan a, a day and a half in advance to be able to have the have the kid use it on his birthday. It makes no sense. Why doesn't it come precharged? Doesn't make sense. We are um, now. We're going to get into obviously the game. A lot of injuries for the New York Football Giants, and a bit of a you know, state of the franchise kind of thing here. As the Giants fall to one and four, losing forty four twenty in a blowout to the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Did, was this gift from you to your child, or from a loved one to your child? No this this one was from us. There was quite a few different other okay. gifts, but but this you're, one you're is definitely. Man. Yeah, diff- on there. Squ- squarely on me, yeah. I, you know, taking it out of the box, you think it's like, you know, set it in, forget it, ready, ready to go. And I look at the instructions. It's like, you need 17 days in order to get this thing to work. And I was like, perfect. Uh, the, the positive is, um, you know, most two-year-olds have, have a level of patience and, and also they, they get nuance. They understand what a gift means relative to when that gift can be utilized. So I, I bet that that went over the, fine. The, the the easy thing this morning is I, he was garbage truck. I want to drive it. And I'm like, no, it's a, it's a garbage truck chair. It's a chair for now until, until we get the power going at him. You want to sit chair. in the garbage truck? Yes. You he, want to sit so, in the garbage truck, Rory? So he, he ate that. his breakfast in the garbage truck sitting there. He's like, this chair is great. Wait until he figures out that it actually has power at some point. You know, That's the gift that keeps on giving. All right. With, with that being the case, uh, an extra special. Happy birthday to Rory. What a kid. What a guy. I, I've, I've met him. I've hung out with him. We, we've broken bread. He's, he's a heck of an individual. Everyone's really going to enjoy him. Uh, as he ages into his garbage truck. Um, The New York football Giants, speaking of garbage trucks, did not have the type of game that we wanted. Obviously, yesterday, really hard to get a beat on on what could have been in this game. There's There's some things that we saw early, like the run defense, which we highlighted as being an important phase that the the Giants were going to need to shut down Ezekiel Elliott to have some success. That wasn't going according to plan. Um, And the offense was a little bit sluggish kind of to start, but they moved the ball, et cetera. But really what it came down to is just a series of injuries that that befell the Giants. It's as if a, if they needed to, a Dallas Cowboys fan took out their Giants voodoo dolls and just started pin poking all across this offense. Because first you have after an incomplete pass, Saquon Barkley, incidental steps on the foot of a Cowboys defender boom that thing blows up like an effing cantaloupe he's out uh, of the game later on you get you have uh, let's see well by the way Kenny Galladay basically had an injury I think coming into this game because he didn't look right for most of the start of it when he was working some of his reps he ends up having a knee issue doesn't come back after the halftime break uh then of course the big one the largest one was Daniel Jones he goes to try to run in for a touchdown ends up taking a really big helmet to helmet neck gets crunched I mean this one looks 
pretty pretty bad in the moment, stumbles around, finally gets taken off, obviously concussion there. So this was the laundry list of things that, that went wrong for the Giants from an injury standpoint. Just, I mean, how, as you were there celebrating your, your son's birthday uh, with some of the family and friends around, how brutal was it to just see the air get sucked out of this out of this balloon with things that are going to have not just a one game impact, but this is now season impact as well. So there's a, there's a few things to unpack here. And I, you know, I think we, we talked about it before the show. I don't know how much we're going to go into like how many yards did Daniel Jones throw for before he got hurt. Like, what well, I don't know what that's going to solve for any giant fan. That's looking for any shimmer of hope or glimmer, or, you know, whatever. Um, yes. Yeah, sliver glimmer shimmer, you know, all those different, things. you're not going to get any of them. Yes. Well, so here's the thing, you know, Joe judge is the type of coach that preaches next man up, right? It's, it's one of those things that you say, it's like somebody gets hurt, you know, next guy up. Totally. Uh, unfortunately, when the next guy up after the next guy up after the next guy up gets hurt, you're, you're literally left with backup players against one of the best offenses in the league. We talked about how Dallas is a top five offense. Mm-hmm. The, the frustrating thing is like early on in the game, you know, the giants were down 10, nothing, but then they, they, they start coming back and they start scoring points it felt like the Giants were going to stick around and be a part of the game and make it interesting. And like opportunistic defensive plays. Yeah. The interception by Lorenzo Carter on the tip pass, right? Like just some, the fumble exchange by Dak Prescott. Like it just looked like to your point, you knew some things were the break for the Giants and maybe it was happening. Right. And and, and it felt like, it it felt like the Giants were at least going to make it interesting. It felt like, okay, you know, like you said, the Lorenzo Carter interception, the Giants were very opportunistic. I think that's a great way to put it. And so, you know, right around, right before halftime, you're thinking to yourself, like, man, we can hang around and maybe at the end of the game, who knows, like we get lucky, like we did it against the Saints. But to your point, you, you lose your franchise quarterback, you lose your running back, two of your wide receivers were already out, your, your, you know, potentially Pro Bowl left tackle is active, but it's only supposed to be used in emergency situations. Your third cornerback gets carted off the field in the third quarter with a knee injury. Your your big free agent acquisition, Kenny Galladay, making $18 million, hyperextends his knee. He was already not healthy going in. I mean, what is there to be said about Mike Glennon's play? Like, do you care that he underthrew a, a, a ball late, late in the third quarter? Do you care that he threw a pick six with like three minutes to go? I don't. I don't think any fans do. And my family that was here, like, was completely checked out. Once the third quarter kind of hit and it was with the Mike Lennon show, uh, Mike Lennon, Devontae Booker, is that is that how we drew it up uh, in the sand in, of the playground in, in terms of how we were we were going to do this? But to your point. In the playbook up, you go, you know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, get, get out of here. Get out of here. No, no, I got a whole thing. I'm doing a whole thing here with a with a veteran journeyman quarterback and, uh, you know, and and, and Devontae Booker here. Come on, knock it off. Yeah, the, the front page of the programming guide has Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay. And all of a sudden it's uh, Mike Glennon, Devontae Booker and CJ Board trying to run 40-yard deep curl route. Like, I mean, come on. What's there to be said? Dallas's offense is awesome. They deserved to win. It just felt sad. It honestly did. It's like everybody gets hurt. Short term didn't feel very good in the game, but also long term, like we're going to unpack this today. But it's like some of these players, this may be a lingering thing or it's going to be just like you can't just chalk it up to one game and move on. No, listen, and let's uh, let, let, we'll round out the idea of what we could take away from this game by saying, I don't know if you're aware, the 189 receiving yards that Kadarius Tony amassed over the course of this game is good for 10th all time in New York football Giants history from a single game 
a receiving record standpoint past OBJ. Probably could have gotten up as high as third or fourth if he had stayed in the game. But of course, while he may not have injured himself, although he was listed as questionable following the game because he extended his foot on a drag play, making a reception near the sideline, also went with the close fist punch of a helmet. That's usually uh, always a smart move there. I'm not even, uh, I'm not going to beat him up too much about it. It's, you know, there's frustration there. I thought he, this is probably the most we'll talk about in in-game stuff or of individual player. I thought that he did everything right. Like he was working his butt off. He went over. He was the first guy when Daniel Jones is getting taken off in the cart. Kadarius Tony ran over to him before he got off the field, gave him a helmet to helmet. You know, like you're going to be all right. He's the one that's psyching himself back up after maybe having a possible injury there on the sideline to get back in the game. Like this kid clearly is, by the way, I said it a couple of weeks ago, right? He's clearly the number one wide receiver on, on this roster now. There, there's no other way to look at it. He was able to be explosive and dynamic, even with no other receivers on the field with him. So that, that's a great positive. Um, you'll try to look past the negative and say he's a young player. You don't want to see that happen again. I like Joe Judge's response to it, where he's like, yeah, you can get the F out of here. Like, just go on. I don't need the rest to tell me that you've been ejected from the game. So you'll, you'll move past that. That was like this bright spot that, again, while we can pick that up and put it in our pocket, it doesn't mean a lot given that you fall to one and four. And this is kind of moving into that bigger picture piece of when you lose a game, you thought maybe you could have won against Washington. When you feel like you came out flat offensively against Atlanta being, being three and two or being, you know, it could have been, could have looked a lot different right now. If you had won some of these other games, instead you're one and four. And now you have to start to think what is next week going to look like? And what are the next handful of weeks going to look like for the New York football giants? First and foremost, probably being that I doubt that you're going to see Saquon Barkley, um, obviously. And I would be shocked if we saw Daniel Jones next week too. I know concussion protocol. He said after the game, he was feeling all right, but the eye test, when you see concussion, sometimes it's like, ooh, that guy got a little knock. They're going to force him to come out, and maybe he's not going to be able to return. This looked like a kid that wasn't entirely sure that he was on an NFL football field. Well, so I want to go back to Kadarius Tony for a second. Yeah. He is the bright spot of the game. If there's one takeaway for Giant fans, it's rest assured, you know, that first-round pick that we've all been worried about, all the off-season stuff that we are worried about, mm-hmm. when he is on the field, he is our playmaker. Like, he... He had, like, we talk about Saquon Barkley being explosive. I, I don't know if Kadarius Kid, Tony might be ahead of him now in terms of, of the ability to make people miss. Oh, he's the right? best weapon on the New York football giants. I, I mean, it's it's crazy to suggest that. You, you think about all the money we spent on Galladay. You talk about the top three pick that we spent on Saquon Barkley, and Kadarius Tony is the guy. Like, when he gets the ball in his hands, you expect magic to happen. Like, I watch that game every time he caught the ball. I'm like, he could he could break this for forty yards, and and I wouldn't be surprised. The the athleticism to shift where he catches a ball and he like turns the other way, the shift in direction while all of the secondary for the Cowboys is going one direction, he's gone the other way. Like it was- even the pass down the sideline, by the way, right? Like we said that last week, we didn't see the deep the deep action there. The pass down the sideline for 30, 35 yards where contested catch, he jumped up over the top, literally within the hash mark in the sideline, made the catch and came down in bounds. So he he was showing the full game here. Yeah, but but the one thing I don't get, Adam, and, and you have to educate me on this. All right. On a football field, throwing mm-hmm. a punch to a guy that's wearing a helmet, it's never, ever made sense to me because the chances are that you're going to break your hand before you actually do any harm to the person, right? Like, I'm not crazy in thinking this, right? Well, the problem, you know what's funny about it? And it funny, not funny, but what's I don't know, what's observational about it 
Kadarius Tony makes that catch. He goes down. There's a bit of a scrum, and you can you can tell. Like he gets shoved a little bit to the you know on, on the ground, so he's a little bit frustrated. The Giants are a little bit frustrated. I, I'm not even picking on him because he's the guy to pick on. He had a couple of catches. It was a he made made a couple of really nice catches in this game. But Evan Ingram comes over. Evan Ingram didn't come over and defuse it. He came over and escalated it. Like he came over and was like, hey, I'll shove some of you guys around. And, and then in turn, Kadarius Tony was like, yeah, we're shoving some people. Here we go. That dialed them up. And then ultimately the, yeah, this is that, this is that classic, like how hard do you think your hand is? And what do you think this helmet is made out of? Like I, I've never, yeah, you want to get into the shoving match. I always thought that the best move to do when you're frustrated like that is you grab the guy by the face mask. And you just, you know what I mean? You, you yeah, give him a little shake. Around. You give him yeah. a little shake. Give him a little rattle. That That's the move when, you, when you're frustrated and you know you can't do anything to a player because everyone's wearing pads and helmets. So, I, you know, listen, it, it's a boneheaded play, like I said. And, um, yeah, but, those are never know, the, good. Those, are always, those always look real. It always looks really silly when does. you see a player do that. And, and the other piece of it, uh, good news for Giants fans, r- reports are this morning that Kadaris Tony will be fined, but yeah. likely not suspended. Yes, there was yeah. there were some concerns that maybe he would get a one game suspension. There are early reports are saying that he won't. So good news is we will have Kadarius Tony back on the, out on the field. Bad news is we don't know who else is going to be on the field with him at this point. Well, by the way, at one and four, um, you know, don't be mildly shocked if um, Joe Judge and the Giants choose to send a message to Kadarius Tony and maybe sit him down for the first quarter of next week. Potentially, you know, you get to kind of. Uh, take an even stronger stance on stuff like that when you feel like maybe your season is getting away from you. No, we don't know who's going to be out there. And the, you know, one in four, like you say, now you've got the Rams coming up. We know we have two super, one Super Bowl champion, one Super Bowl uh, participant, and then two years prior Super Bowl champion coming up on the schedule as well. The Carolina Panthers, like this is the harder part of the schedule that the Giants are getting into. And it's going to be difficult to see how they navigate it without all these players. But here's the funny thing. Um, and they said it in the broadcast yesterday, this is supposed to be, there's some interesting stats here to, to pull out on the defensive side of the ball, right? The defense, Rodarius Williams goes down, but for the most part, this defense is healthy, right? <laughs> they have been healthy and yet they haven't been able to perform to a level. And I'm not going to hold yesterday's game necessarily against them. It's Dallas. They're incredibly talented, but this is the time in a season when you're seeing all these injuries and mass on the offensive side, you should be able to lean on the defensive side of the ball right now. James Bradbury has given up 75% completion percentage against them over the course of this season, 21 of 28 against them. The QB rating is somewhere on 94, 95. It's not terrible, but he again took a bad penalty in yesterday's game, got absolutely torched over the top by CD lamb. I know people pointed out Julian love should have been there, whatever, but like you're just, you're not seeing the performance on the defensive side of the ball. And when you get down into the trenches here too, you're also talking about, you know, someone mentioned it on Twitter this morning and it clicked in my head, right? The defense and how it's looked, by the way, we always talk about Dave Gettleman and the hog Molly mentality on the offensive line, but that he's used that on the defensive line too. Big problem is you don't have a pass rush, but when you say hog Molly's on the defensive line, and then you're also giving up 200 rushing yards in a game, you got to check one of these boxes, right? And this is another game this season where the run defense just, it's flat out not there for the New York football giants. You know, that's the, the bigger concerning thing. Look, injuries are going to happen, you know, on a specific game. What are you supposed to do when you lose your top five weapons and your best offensive lineman? Right. So like the big, the bigger issue to your point, Adam is yeah. Allowing basically 200 yards on the ground. Ezekiel Elliott looked vintage Zeke. You know, he had 110 on the ground, 
Tony Pollard had 75 yards on the ground. Um, and to your point, Dak Prescott was still throwing the ball all over the place. Dak Prescott threw for 300. So like you, you, you got to figure out one thing that you do well on defense. You either got to stop the pass with your first, you know, Xavier McKinney, one of your high draft picks, you, you know, you, you sign Logan Ryan to this big deal. You, you go and get Jabril Peppers in, in a trade. You, you got James Bradbury. You sign a Dory Jackson to all this money. You have this secondary that you spent a lot of draft capital and money on, and they're still giving up 300 yards. And, and that was the problem. There was no pass rush. There was no run defense and there was no pass defense at all yesterday. And so for, for the giants, you got to make them one dimensional. We talked about it before. That was one of the things that we, I completely agreed with you on is you have to stop Zeke. You have to stop Zeke. You got to get them into a situation where you're forcing Dak Prescott to throw. He's a great thrower, but when you make them one dimensional, you can actually, you know, put yourself into some different cover twos, make sure to not give up the big play. The giants were vulnerable on both sides. So play action was working. Zeke getting out in space was working. It, it was a mess. And to your point, you, it, what's what's the I mean, rather than us just go back and forth and keep saying how bad the defense looked, what's the fix? Like, what's the solution for the Giants? Well, and that's kind of so that's the next phase of this thing here. The Giants are one and four. And I, I said this going back a couple of weeks after the Atlanta game, they get the win against the Saints. I, there's talent on this roster. What, an absolutely brutal beat yesterday. I don't I don't know if you're going to win that game. Right. You could have had everybody be healthy and still have lost it. But you are one and four now. And I, I do wonder. If you're, if you're going to be without some of these starters on the offensive side next week against the Rams, that's going to be a difficult matchup. You could be one in five. I, I, I think, the, you know, you say the fix. I just think that this needs to be a real look in the mirror kind of opportunity for this franchise to say. And again, I'm still going to tell you that I'm positive about what they've accomplished in certain areas, franchise quarterback, et cetera. But you have to look across this roster and start to think big picture here. Who are players that have value on other rosters that don't have value for us right now with where our season is currently going? Because oddly enough, uh, I, w- I want your answer to that question because I'll give a I'll give a handful of players that should be on the docket. But also, it's like this season, ha- doesn't this season have all the feelings of last year having a terrible start to it? And then when you look at the back end of the schedule, Miami not having the year people thought they were going to, some division games, Eagles, Washington football team. Like the Giants could end up winning a handful of games down the stretch of the back end of this season and probably less than what they had last year in six or seven wins, but kind of put window dressing on what has been a sample size that should tell you we need to turn this over a little bit. In my opinion, I'd be saying, it, 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 does James Bradbury have value somewhere else? Because you're, you're at the threshold now where you're going to run, what are you going to run this thing back? You're going to bring this all back next year when you know that it's probably a stopgap at best. So you have to at least look into the defensive side of the ball and say, who is a tradable asset that has value elsewhere that we can get another draft piece of draft capital next year? Who on the offensive side of the ball? You can't do anything with Saquon Barkley, obviously with the injuries. You just have to hope that he can get healthy and then maybe have a chance to do something in the offseason. But that's where I think you have to. This isn't the sky is falling, but I think you have to just be realistic about how do we get the most value out of certain players that maybe are not going to be a part of the long-term solution or the long-term success of this team in what could be the starting next year, the year after, right? Are these guys going to be here in two, three years? If not, get value for them now. Well, so big picture, you got to think of it uh, in terms of the team that we just played, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are four and one. Yep. They 
beat us. And that, that's a big part of it too, right? Four and one, one and four. They, they beat us head to head. So they currently have the tiebreaker over us. So they're three games ahead of us and they have the tiebreaker against us. And we're in last place in the division. And 0-2 oh and in the division. Yeah, and 0-2 and, and oh and in the division. So, you know, when you think so, about what's available to the Giants, what what's what's the number that you'd have to get to in terms of wins to win the division at this point? Like, you look at Dallas at 4-1, and one, and Dallas is clearly getting 10 wins this year, right? Like, they're they're easily a 10-7 and seven team at 4-1. and one. Like, that's they, – they'd have they to go 6 and – to- Yeah, they have to go 500 ball and they get to 10 wins. So, you know, think of that for a second, Adam. 10 wins is, is going to win the division minimum for the Dallas Cowboys. The Giants have one win, right? So you're saying the, the Cowboys, by the way, might win their next four straight games. They're at New England, at Minnesota, home versus the Broncos, home versus Atlanta. They could win all four of those games straight through. Right. Be say three, and, say three and one, right? right? So then, then they're, then they're seven and two and, and they're moving all the way downhill for the rest of the season. With four more games inside of the division after that to close out the season, two against Washington, one against Austin, one against Philly. Right. So their schedule is not world beaters, right? Like it, it, that, to me, that, that sounds like a 12 and five record, something like that for Dallas. And that's probably even conservative. You know yeah, what I mean? I was going to say, yeah. I'm, 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 so, so that's 12 wins for the Cowboys. You're not going to get the division. The wild card is going to be at least what? 10 games to be oh, able yes. to get it with a 17 game season. Yeah. So, so the idea is what are we doing? Like, what, what are we doing? Because you're not going to win the division. The wild card is out. And now it, it does become about player and talent evaluation and figuring out what assets we can move to get more assets in the future. How can we get younger? How can we, maybe reset this a little bit. How can we get more draft capital? How can we lower some of the cap stuff that we have some challenges with? There's a whole lot of things that the Giants need to figure out. You mentioned James Bradbury. He's got a massive cap hit or cap hold for next year. The Giants are probably much more likely to keep him on the roster and restructure him and extend him, which Which I would be a mistake. Yeah. Which, which right now doesn't feel like a good situation to be in. Either you take a massive cap hit on a guy or extend him and and see more of this declining play very difficult but but to your point there's a couple there's a couple of players that I think you need to just circle and say who's going to be here in three years who are the players that are going to be here in three years when we're going to be good again because if you if you go in in with this mentality of well let's just swap out a couple pieces here or there and we're going to compete again with Dallas next season we're, we're going to be doing the same thing over and over again, and it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So let's have a three-year plan in mind and and be honest with fans, be honest with the media and just say, we are going through a rebuild. We are trying to not do what we've done for the last decade. And that's stink. And it's going to take more than just like signing one guy that the Titans release from, from their defense, right? Like it's going to take more than just hitting on one wide receiver in the draft like Kadarius Tony. It is a collection of things that need to happen over the next six months, 12 months, 18 months to even put us in contention in two years, in three years, right? Well, let, let, let's look at it this way, too, um, because that, there's actually some names that jump out to me here. Um, when you go over on the defensive side of the ball, right, You like you say, the rest, the rest of the season plus two more seasons after that, right? Where are you going to be at that point, the end of three seasons, what, what players do you think are still going to be a part of this roster or should be a part of this roster? Okay. So obviously, you know, you're looking, I'm looking at starters right now with injuries being accounted for. Um, but 
you know, is Leonard Williams going to be a part of the team in another two years after this one? Probably not. Like, you know, realistically, where, where, where is he going to be in the state of this franchise? No, he's not going to be. Uh, Lorenzo Carter, is he getting, getting brought back on another contract? Probably not. You're going to go younger. You're going to look to replace him with a more dynamic playmaker in the draft. Dexter Lawrence going to be up for a contract. What is the intention there? Maybe he'll be there because you believe that he can be a part of the team if the price is right. Reggie Ragland, no. Ocean Eximenez, no. James Bradbury, no. Not in another two years. Extension, I understand what you're talking about, those numbers, but you just you can't throw more money at him or keep extending him where, what, just keep riding it out and, send, and spending more money on him further and further into the future. You can't do it. Jabril Peppers, not going to be there, was out for this past game. Here's a big name that I think is worth really mentioning and thinking about in the short term and getting value for. It's Logan Ryan because he's still a valuable player right now, and he's also not a guy that's going to be a part of this team in another two or three years. Like, I think maybe what you just touched on right there, and there's something that I want to get to on the offensive side before we, we get out of here, but um, I, I, I think you have to look at this and say, you know, the team it makes me think of, it makes me think of the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? They get, you know, just disregard the, the head coach and the entire mess there with him, but you get your young quarterback. That, that team is just made up of all young players and they're not winning games, but all of these young players are going to grow and develop. They're not all going to be there forever, but you're going to get to find out which pieces are the best. And then when it comes time to really be competitive, you'll sprinkle in veteran talent and you'll try to get better, right? But in the meantime, you have a lot of high draft capital that you can use to continue to bring in young talent. Like that's what, and we talked about this in the off seasons past on the podcast. That's what the Giants should have been doing the last couple of seasons. It's just saying, let's just get young. Like it's really hard to do as a major market team in any sport, right? Just be non-competitive for a few years. The Giants have basically been non-competitive for a few years while trying to sell us that they can be competitive, that they can be in, in it for the division, in for the wild card. Last year's fool's gold with how everyone was relatively bad because the injuries that Dallas dealt with, right? Like just be bad. Just go young and be bad. Like, that's what it takes. And then next year, if you have 20 picks in the draft and you can package and move, and the next year after that in the draft, like, that's what it takes to improve your team. That's the way most franchises, and when you look around the league, as I go on my diatribe, like, remember when we were talking about the schedule and we thought, what are our teams, you know, you can get wins and blah, blah, blah. We circled the Chicago Bears as being like, ah, you know, defense a little long in the tooth. They don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They're going to draft a rookie. Who knows? Blah, blah, blah. They've been a, a they've been like a disaster with the way Matt Nagy's handled the QB situation. They're three and two. Like they, <laughs> I know, I know. We've seen this so many times around the league, right? Where teams that were bad and and behind us in the rebuilding process have just slowly moved past us. The Eagles might be moving past us in the rebuilding process, or at the very least, are getting lucky enough to win some of these games. And we, you know, we talk about it. the Giants could be two and three right now, not one and four, and that would feel different, but. You are what your record is, as so many you know past head coaches would tell you. And this is where this franchise is. And I think this isn't about the panic button that that we that I pushed. You know, we pushed collectively after the Atlanta game, but it is more just the reality push of there's certain players that are at certain ages and at certain price points that flat out are not going to be here in another two years, no matter what we do. So, you know, when do you push the value button? It probably isn't this year before the trade deadline. But it, it, I wouldn't be shocked if it is in the offseason with certain with a certain number of these players, or at least it should be. And then that gets up to the highest level of of what are the Giants going to do from a GM standpoint, from a head coaching standpoint, and, and all those big questions. I wonder when John Mara does start to ask those or make those decisions. Well, 
the other piece of it is we have a quarterback on his rookie contract, right? And like you're supposed to be yeah, able but that's to out get, the window now. Yeah. Well, that's you're a, supposed to you're supposed to be able to compete when you have a rookie quarterback on on a rookie deal. Yeah, and, that's over. And, and and now the challenge is like, okay, so we're gonna move some of these different pieces. Uh, you know, that, that are veterans that maybe have a high cap hit or are making a ton of money, but we got to earmark funds for Daniel Jones. If, if you believe that he is a franchise quarterback, which I, I do still believe that he is the franchise quarterback for the giants. He's shown enough. He, he was the offensive NFC offensive player of the week last week, right? Like he, he clearly has the ability. He, you have to earmark what 30, $35 million for Daniel Jones. Okay. Conservatively, then, yeah. Yeah, okay. with the way, you know, with the way, just I mean, just with the way franchise quarterbacks get paid, right? Like right. it's just right. Like a starting quarterback that comes up for his contract is going to get at minimum thirty million, if not thirty-five, forty million, as you could see from the Josh Allen, Mahomes type deal, type deals. You know, Saquon Barkley is being proven right about Daniel Jones this season is the worst thing for the Giants. Uh, it's it's crazy <laughs> because if Daniel Jones was not good and he was the reason why the team was struggling, you'd say okay. We have two draft picks in the first round next year. Let's go get one of our starting quarter, you know, franchise quarterback rookie and and reset the clock and do do this all over again. The Giants can't do that. I mean, to to be honest, well, let me ask you let me ask you a question. Hold on, let me ask you a question then though. Is Daniel Jones you know, is Daniel Jones a top 10 NFL quarterback? Do you think that that's what he can be? Top 10. Can he be a consistent top 10 quarterback? I think that Daniel, so I, I was having this conversation with my brother-in-law yesterday and my cutoff is, I think that Daniel Jones could be a top 12 quarterback in this league. Here's my point. Whatever your opinion is, and I have mine too, and I'm pretty high on him. But if you, unless you think that Daniel Jones, this actually is an interesting breaking point for you and I, because we like Daniel Jones and we believe that he can be a very good quarterback for the New York football giants. However, given where the franchise is right now in the process, you have to look at Daniel Jones and say, is he worth paying the money to and trying to build up around and go win with, or are we better off saying, is there a, you know, is there a Justin Herbert out there in the next draft class or two that we like, because is there a Patrick Mahomes? Is there, you know, the Kyler Murray, is there these quarterbacks that we think we can go get and get one of the elite talents at the quarterback position, as opposed to one that, as we know, we've seen the, we've seen the, the path get laid out with Eli Manning. You don't have to be a number one elite talent in order to win with, but everything else has to work around them. That, that is actually a very interesting question that, that, that does come across my mind of, Maybe he is good enough to be a, a franchise quarterback, but maybe it's not worth paying him and the way it's going to cripple the team financially because they're already in a bad financial spot. Will you ever be able to build the team up enough around him to win because of the backwards way in which you've entered into this process? So it, that's the the double-edged sword of this whole thing is, you know, look at look at what the Jets did, right? Like Sam Darnold, you know, gets shipped out for a second or third round pick or something like that to Carolina and, and seems to be doing well, has them, uh, you know, above 500 at, but think of it, think of it this way. Sam Darnold, Again, has a, they are, have, they have a good season and, and Darnold's been pretty good. He had some very bad plays yesterday that cost him the game against the Eagles. But again, the, what we're complimenting is the overall team in Carolina. It's a good overall team. That's why Sam Darnold looks better there. Cause it's a better team right? Like that, that, that's the big piece of it again. So it's like the talent is there. Yes. But if the team isn't good enough, it doesn't matter how talented your quarterback may be. 
Well, and and the Jets were on a different schedule with Sam Darnold, right? Like he was coming up. They were thinking about, do we have to pay Sam Darnold? We're not ready to compete yet. Let's reset the clock at our new rookie quarterback and do this all over again. I think that that was less of an indictment on Sam Darnold and more of the organization putting their hand up being like, we can't win with you because of where our team is at and how long it's going to take for us to be good. They weren't saying Sam Darnold isn't a good quarterback. He clearly can play in this league. You know, Daniel Jones has an 86.9 pro football focus rating as a quarterback. He is top 10 in pro football focuses mind in, in terms of his play this year. Mm-hmm. But to your point, the Giants are going to have a very difficult decision at some point where we say we like you, but because of our ineptitude in the front office, in where we've decided to allocate money over the last two, three, four years, we just can't win on your timeline, Daniel. Yeah. And that and that's going to be where the rubber meets the road. The Giants will have to make that tough decision. Having the Chicago Bears draft pick, even if it's 12th or 15th, and then having the Giants pick, which is presumably going to be a top five pick at this point, you, you, you got to think, are we going to reset the clock and, and, and do this all? And it may not be because of Daniel Jones. And it'll be interesting, depending on how the rest of the season goes for the Giants, if Daniel Jones comes back healthy from the concussion, the, the, the script can get written in a lot of different ways, right? He can play to a level over the remainder of the season where you go, okay, this is worth it keeping him around. But unlike, you know, th- this is why. You can commit to a a franchise quarterback and spend money on him, even if the team isn't necessarily great around him, because you say he's checked enough of those boxes and eventually we hope we can compete and win with him. But this is where you do look at everybody else on this roster. You look at their ages and you look at the money you're paying them. You do have to make those hard decisions. I think the only spot you probably don't pull that trigger on is the offensive side where you want to continue to allow Daniel Jones to develop. But at, at, at this stage, the defense hasn't been very good. There's really there shouldn't be anything stopping you from starting to take some pieces away from that and see what other value you can get there. Last thing, get out the door with here. Just going forward, I know we always like to get a little bit of offensive line talk. Uh, Andrew Thomas was dressed but didn't play. You got Nate Solder starting at left tackle. He did not look good. It's not on him. It's an impossible task with him at the state of this uh, at the state of his career. We know we have Isaiah Wilson out there in the practice squad. Maybe he's going to get ready too. Matt Pert needs to be starting going forward uh, you know I, I don't care if he lost his job to Nate Solder in training camp it doesn't matter because either he's going to be the tackle or he's not you got to find that out like you're one in four now there's a difference between if you're three and two you're two and three if you're competing for a playoff spot that makes sense you're worried about it barring the idea that he's going to I know, I know there's a great sample size of him getting just just standing there literally like a statue but barring the idea that it's really going to put Daniel Jones in exponentially larger spots of danger because Solder has not been terrific. You have to be starting Matt Pert because you need to know what he is or he isn't. Unless you've already written that script and you say that it's, you know, his time has passed here and it's already over, that's fine. But you got to play the young players. You need to know what you have in these young players. The time for these veterans and aged, you know, aged talents on different spots on the roster, that time has passed to me. You know, it, it is it is you need to be evaluating young talent and know what you have on this team. So uh, that's just a footnote, not only for Matt Pert, but for across this entire team. Yeah, I, I, I get the sentiment. Um, but the, but the challenge Adam is that the, the, the verdict is out on Pert. Like the reason why he's not playing is because the giants don't believe in him anymore. The reason why Isaiah Wilson gets signed is because the giants are grasping, you know, grasping at straws. They're talking about putting Matt Pert at guard, trying some, something to use his big body and his wide frame. The, the Giants are telling you by him not being out there that they are worried about Daniel Jones's safety. They are worried about uh, Mike Glennon or whoever ever is going to be back there. So I, I think the verdict is out that Matt Pert is an emergency guy that 
in case of emergency, break glass and put him in for like a handful of plays. But he's not a guy that you can put a franchise quarterback, you know, in, in next to and, and expect something bad to not happen. So I think you, you've almost an, answered your own question on that. Like, why isn't he playing? It makes no sense. The, the literally the logical answer is they're afraid of the safety of the quarterback, and that's not a good position to be in when you're in an offensive lineman. Then get then the, then you got to get Isaiah Wilson up there, and he has to be playing as right. soon as possible because Nate Soldiers played to a 51 PFF grade coming into yesterday's game. It's not going to get better off of yesterday's game. Had to play at left tackle. He hasn't been good either. He's putting Daniel Jones in just as much danger. So I mean, listen, this is I'm using that as the microcosm, but this is a team wide theme. If you are a veteran player and you're playing average football, that's it. Show me the young players. Let me see if someone has that ability. You need to be doing that evaluation. And we've seen this, by the way. Like, the, the Giants have mixed these players in, right, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You talk about Radarius Williams goes down with the injury. So, obviously, they're they're trying to do that, but you just have to keep pushing that. You do have to keep going out into the market and bringing in bodies and letting them mix in. Like, the remainder of this season – assuming that you're going to go one in three over the next four games, probably with the way the schedule looks potentially, if the losses keep piling up, then you have to keep yourself thinking beyond this year and bringing in talent, trying to evaluate talent, trying to find players that fit into your system, into your scheme. So listen, this isn't the sky is falling, you know, scenario. I'll be very interested. We'll hear about the injuries. We'll update it during the week. I'll I'll have the same level of intrigue and interest in watching the Rams game if Daniel Jones is there and ready to play, and if we're going to get at least back Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, right? Like I'll still look at it and say this team is capable of winning games if Daniel Jones is under center and they can keep him upright and healthy. So you know it, it doesn't diminish what's possible for this season, but I do think we need to just every single week with every single loss. You need to see this organization having an acknowledgement of where the franchise is and what they need to accomplish in the short term so that the long term doesn't look like more of the same. At the end of the day, Adam, uh, at the end of the day, the, sim- the simple question that we want to ask is, is there progress? What does progress look like? Right. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean wins and losses anymore. I think that's 100%. the point, yes, yeah, that, that's yeah, the point where we're at yeah. is, is progress is, is like a philosophical state that we need to start working towards. And it, it's not about record anymore. It's not. And so what I think is going to be an interesting question that we're, we're going to start the show with when we do our Rams, you know, preview is do you want the giants to win against the Rams? Mm. We'll leave the cliffhanger out there for you, friends. I have a very strong opinion on that question. We'll be back again in later this week. We'll be doing stuff on YouTube as well. Updating injury reports. As I say, we'll talk about PFF grades. We'll see how did Matt Perk grade out. Maybe take a look at some of the highlights from that game because he did play over on the right side of this offensive line. And, and where do we just kind of stand, man? Do you hear some rumblings about what the giants could do or should do? Where is Isaiah Wilson in his process of getting ready to be a contributor on this team as well? It's still, a very intriguing New York football Giants NFL season. It was, unfortunately, a very bad Sunday for Big Blue. We're back in talking all things New York football Giants. And uh, until then, as Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and demands you, the people, know. As always, let's go Big Blue.